Hello. Look, I... I owe you an apology. How rude of me to have touched your belongings without asking. Oh, no, it's cool. I was just confused. Well, I can assure you there was no funny business. Allow me to explain. I lifted your cellular phone to wipe down the dresser, and it accidentally came undone. Yeah, I, I Rather told... than meddle with it further, I left it that way. How foolish of me. It's fine. I wasn't trying to snitch. Snitch. Rat you out. Tattletale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't you worry about that. I can assure you, I don't answer to anyone. Right. All I know is sometimes, but if there's too many white people, I get nervous, you know. are so good to us. They treat us like family. to pick the film that we start on so oh gosh i feel like i feel like you should start with misery because it's very hard to get out of get out i think i have more to say on get out than i do on misery well would you want to start on get out first then no no (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) but you're telling me misery is one of your favorites of all time right I love misery, but I mean, I don't have like this super philosophical summary about it. You know, I'm just gonna, you know, ride you guys' waves. So, <laughs> well, so can can I start with a a take that might be way the heck out of left field, but I think is accurate? I would love for you to do that. So I I say this is not an issue with necessarily like either film, but I do think it is a little bit of a classification thing. So I don't know if you have seen Scream 5 where like the elevated horror trope is like listed a lot. I've already said like like seven times nailing it. Um, But I rewatched Scream 5 because I, you know, just needed to be in a blanket for of comforting murder. And I think that Misery might have actually started the elevated horror trend, at least in the way that we know it, 
because of the amount of Academy acclaim it got. Oh, absolutely. I, think, I don't think that's a I hot think take that at misery, all. I think that Misery crawled so the rest of these films could run. And I was talking about this with a very nice philosophy high school teacher <laughs> earlier today who was really trying to convince me I was wrong. And then I found out that he had not seen Misery. <laughs> um, isn't that how it goes? Isn't it always? Thank you, nice white man. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Your allyship has been noted for the log. But I had never seen Misery before. I had seen, well, that's not true. I'd seen the play. They did a play version of it in New York, like, gosh, probably 10 years ago now, with Bruce Willis as the writer. Oh, wow. Okay. And they do it as a room play. So there is no outside business at all. The set is pretty mu- oh. was pretty much the stairway, the main hall, and the room that he's being kept in. Like, that's it. So I had seen that, and I thought, wow, that's really great. Neat. And seeing the movie was a very different experience. And I think, I don't know, I don't, I don't. I don't know why I'm rolling this ball down this hill, but you uh, rolled it. <laughs> I, I sure did. We're rolling. I mean, I'm rolling with you. I, I think that you're 100% correct in the fact that misery can be seen as, you know, kind of the birth of elevated horror. I actually think that for a lot of Stephen King adapted stories in general, especially because it's difficult or can be difficult to identify what the villain in Misery is specifically. You can easily say it was the Wilkes character, but she also saved him. You know, she also nursed him back and she was his number one fan. So she patronized his art. I mean, granted, she formed a very unhealthy connection to it, but, you know, still, it's not as cut and dry as a ghost face killer. Yeah. I feel like isolation is really the the villain of that movie in a lot of ways, right? Like, I was kind of annoyed when they were like, she killed babies. I was like, that's a hat on a hat. We don't need that. <laughs> like, we, we need a woman who husband... And, and by the way, the she killed babies, not in the play. In <laughs> the play, the idea is just that, I believe anyway, please keep in mind, I was 16 when I saw this, I think. So it's been a minute that she is a woman who has developed a parasocial relationship with misery. Her husband left her, and the first woman that she found that made her feel like a woman again is misery. Mm. And the idea of losing that thing, but also she has power over the only thing that could fix that. Yeah. And she's alone in the middle of the you know Colorado woods. She's stuck with him as much as he's stuck with her, is kind of the inciting snap that starts everything yeah and just to kind of talk about the impact that this had kathy bates won for best actress of the academy awards and the golden globe so uh as this, she should this yeah. is a powerhouse of a performance yeah it was a perfect casting too i mean she was so easily seen as this unassuming townie kept to herself and, you know, as I was rewatching it, just like how that facade switches so quickly, it just unveils with just a look, with just a facial expression. And it's just, it becomes very sinister. But I wanted to go back for a minute on what you said. I, I definitely think isolation can be seen as the villain, but also 
it made me think, because the, the first time I saw Misery, I wasn't a creator. I wasn't a writer. I wasn't doing anything. I don't even know what, what grade I was in, right? And now I think about the connections that people have to someone's art, be it a movie or a book or a video game or whatever. And I don't think it's completely fair to put a responsibility on the person who created it, but just to if nothing else, but to be aware of kind of the home that these things provide for people. But it's, I don't know, it's its hard. I was thinking about it and I was talking to a friend about it because I do think that there is a responsibility for the creator, but then I, I mean, you can't really charge them for like her finding misery and putting misery in this, you know, space to be this kind of idol, you know, right? To get through this life. But I, I do see a lot of her character mirrored in today's society in regards to yeah. fandom toxicity. And it's kind of hard to prevent that to an extent. Oh, Paul, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, so... Sometimes I get so worked up. Can you ever forgive me? I love you, Paul. Your mind, your creativity. That's that's all I meant. I think it's it's extraordinarily difficult now. Like it's parasocial relationships are what fuel social media. It made me laugh because my favorite review that I saw for this movie on Letterboxd was just brave of them to make a film about the last Jedi before it even came out. <laughs> yeah. I wish I understood that. I, I literally said that joke. Alas. I literally said that joke. To Kit. I said. So the last Jedi was a, the eighth star Wars movie in a series. And it took the series in a different direction than the predominantly white male fan base wanted. It really centered the female characters and their empowerment, and the guys were kind of relegated to the in-the-metal bikini roles. And okay. it was very different, and there's some merits to that, and obviously there's some downsides to it. And the Star Wars fans handled it really chill and maturely, and they <laughs> definitely, like, didn't bully multiple people off of social media and, like, dox Kathleen Kennedy's house or anything like that. Like they were, they handled it really n- nicely and well. And they definitely didn't tie anyone to a bed and break their ankles with hammers or anything like that. So yeah, and I think it, it hobbled my relationship with Star Wars going forward. I'm like completely off Star Wars now, and I think it was because of response to Last Jedi and Red Skywalker being complete dog shit. But <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. But cat. With you watching this now, what are some of the things of this movie that you liked? I think that Kathy Bates's performance was honestly legendary. I get it now. I've seen her in a lot of stuff since. I'd never actually seen Misery, the movie before, but like her performance connected so well. And I also totally understand seeing it now. I don't remember who played her on Broadway, but like she took a very different approach to it. And you would have to, because trying to be Kathy Bates after Kathy Bates is everything yeah. i don't know how you would do that and not immediately be compared to her 
Yeah, I think she has one of my favorite careers. And it's funny, earlier this year when she was in um, Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret, as the grandmother character, I literally wrote my letterbox, if I didn't love my grandmother so much, I would want her as my grandma. Like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm, it was Laurie Metcalf on Broadway, wow. by the way. Wow. Yeah. Laurie Metcalf. Also a great performance, but very different. Because it would have to be. Because, like, yeah. how, I don't know how you how you do that Kathy Bates impression well enough after like Kathy Bates just cleared the room with her performance. Like what do you, what do you do? Yeah. So Kit, other than Annie, was, were there other characters in this one that you like? I mean, obviously the sheriff and his wife. No, he's not here. I don't know where he is. He never tells me anything anymore. He's probably out having an affair somewhere. Wait a minute. He's coming in now. It's Jim Taylor. He wants to know who you're having an affair with. Uh, hello, Jim. What's doing? Uh-huh. Jim, we've been through this before. If you're going to have benches out in front of your store, people are going to want to sit on them. Well, I don't like him either, but I'm not going to come over there and tell him to move. I'll give my best to Denise. Bye. Well, whoever she is, she sure likes to read a lot. Virginia? I'm flattered that you think I've got that much energy. I figured that if I can't find Paul Sheldon, at least I can find out what he wrote about. What do you expect to find? A story about a guy who drove his car off a cliff in a snowstorm? You see, it's just that kind of sarcasm that's given our marriage real spice. Yes. Um, so great. And I think it's in, I think Stephen King films particularly know how to have a horror film with these really awkward, in a good way, comedic breaks. Yeah. Just like random stuff like, why are we even, you know, like why am I laughing right now while this man is being tortured in somebody's house? But um I really love the sheriff. Stephen King writes his characters really well, just in general. To the point where, I mean, that should be, you know, studied on its own. Like you can watch a movie and just kind of in the way a character presents itself, it can be seen as very Stephen King, the very Stephen King character. I think about like uh, Mark Rylance and Bones and all, you know, with a very Stephen King character. But I really like the couple and obviously James Caan. I mean, what, what can you say? <laughs> what can you say? It was just so well cast. And I think a lot should be said about how a film can be so good with so little. It's not a lot of effects. It's not a lot of jump scares. It's not a lot of that. Like the anxiety I had when he was rolling around the house, I was like, I need need you to go back to your room. Even though I knew it was going to happen, you know, it's not the first time I'd seen it. I've seen Misery so many times, but that anxiety is just like, I need you to, I need you to go back to the room. You got to get out of there. Don't, don't touch the penguin, you know? (laughs) <laughs> I think those are like some of the best films when they just really fill out every part of that space of that set and they don't need a whole lot of anything else. I agree. I think it's great. I also think it's shocking he wasn't nominated for anything because he mm. he gives a great performance. I don't think he necessarily should have won because it was a pretty weird year for and trying actor, to yeah. think. Trying to think about what the Oscars was thinking at any given time is... Uh, yeah, let's not. 
I think her presence was just, it just overshadowed everything else in the film. I think that's really what it was. I think he was good, but you walk away only thinking about her. You walk away only saying, did I do good? Or, you know, you're a dirty birdie. (laughs) You know, like that's that's what kind of sticks into your mind. And so as good as he was, her performance, like she was the film. Um, I think that's what happened. Yeah, Mr. Man. I heard someone calling their baby Mr. Man in the library yesterday, and I was like, run, kid, run! So, looking at the Best Supporting Actor nominees that year, if he would have gotten nominated for Best Supporting Actor, he would have went up against Joe Pesci and Goodfellas, which... He wouldn't have won. Yeah. But but Al Pacino got nominated for Dick Tracy. Yeah. (laughs) But also, like, I totally forgot that a movie we've also covered, Postcards from the Edge, was this year as well. Yeah, Kathy B. Which, Merrill. Yeah. The five women nominated for Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role are Kathy Bates in Misery, <laughs> Angelica Houston in The Grifters, Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. Meryl Streep in Postcards from the Edge. Joanne Woodward in Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. And the Oscar goes to Kathy Bates in Misery. God, Postcards from the Edge is so good. Postcards from the Edge criterion release when exactly Ooh. actually i love kathy bates in this but i think i just have more of a relationship with postcards from the edge because i love carrie fisher so much but i can definitely agree that kathy should have won best actress for this one yeah i i also just like this is a movie where it reminded me a lot of like an inverse when Harry met Sally, like a sinister <laughs> when Harry met Sally. What if you kept running into someone that you really didn't want to? And like that tension that in that is so like fun and like, ah, ha ha ha. And this is so like, <laughs> and like, yeah. I don't know. I, I was just kind of, I, that's not a fully baked thought, but like, it was something <laughs> that I was just kind of meditating on yes. in terms of just, a thing the director does really well. This came on reruns like so often. I'm really surprised. I just never, I never just sat down and watched it. Like I always knew the ending, but for some reason I just, I guess kind of avoiding it, but it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. I uh, have had uh, reconstructive knee surgery as a young Oof. and uh, as a side effect of this uh, aggressive knee bodily trauma and like leg bodily trauma in general not really my area so at a certain point my my dear boyfriend leans over and he goes i'm gonna hand you the bluetooth speaker and i think you should go into the bedroom and play some music and i'll let you know when you can come out and so i was like okay and i was like oh she has a hammer oh god oh god i'm going i'm going uh so i (laughs) i uh go into the bedroom and he comes to get me and I'm curled around the Bluetooth speaker playing the soundtrack from hair. 
just like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay like hilarious so legit like that that part still makes me like my body like contracts during that scene it's horrible i was not able to successfully drown it all out so i still got the wiggles (laughs) but to your point about james khan and his lack of nomination i will say when i watched it what I loved about that scene, though, is that too often I feel like, because I love horror films and I watch, watch them all the time, but I always feel like sometimes the person, when they're getting stabbed or they're getting, you know, beat or whatever, they don't actually act like they're in pain. And his reaction to that scene, like, <laughs> it was like very spot on. Like the fact that he just like, couldn't even, and then he just passed out. I thought that was really, really, really great. So I, I have it on right now, and <laughs> like Kathy Bates is emoting so much, but I think it's a, I think it's a pretty brilliant choice by Khan to, anytime Kathy goes to a fifteen, he like brings it down to like a five or a six, like he's constantly like, it's I think it's kind of like boxing where she throws a jab and he like has to evade it and it's like this crazy dance for this entire movie. <laughs> I think it's like a marvelous way to placate someone. <laughs> like... I'm sorry, Paul. This is all wrong. What? You'll have to do it over again. It's not worthy of you. Throw it all out, except for that part of naming the grave digger after me. You can leave that in. I really value your criticism, but maybe we're being a little hasty here. Paul, what you've written just isn't fair. Not fair. That's right. When I was growing up in Bakersfield, my favorite thing in all the world was to go to the movies on Saturday afternoons for the chapter plays. Cliffhangers. I know that, Mr. Man. They also call them serials. I'm not stupid, you know. Anyway, my favorite was Rocket Man, and once it was a no-breaks chapter. The bad guy stuck him in a car on a mountain road and knocked him out and welded the door shut and tore out the brakes and started him to his death. And he woke up and tried to steer and tried to get out, but the car went off a cliff before he could escape. And it crashed and burned, and I was so upset and excited. And the next week, you better believe I was first in line. And they always start with the end of the last week. And there was Rocket Man trying to get out. And here comes the cliff. And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free. And all the kids cheered. But I didn't cheer. I stood right up and started shouting, this isn't what happened last week. Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair. He didn't get out of the cock-a-doody car. They always cheated like that in um, chapter plays. But not you. Not with my misery. He's so I also, I just think it's so obvious. I'm like, I, I hope this is the case, but... At least as, like, an actor, he clearly respects her and her craft. And he does a really great job of not getting in her way. Like, I I think that he could decide, if he wanted to, that this was his movie and it would sink the whole thing. But, like, he, he knows that he is the handbag that she carries around. He is not the carrier. And that really allows the whole movie to succeed it's funny you compared this to when harry met sally barry sonnenfeld he mm-hmm. was uh he's a cinematographer for misery and for when harry met sally and it's uh directed by the same guy 
Mm-hmm. Rob, Rob Reiner, shout out, shout out. So, <laughs> and I wanted I wanted to point that out because just the choices that Rob Reiner makes, and he's not a very stylish director like at all, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but he's very much point and shoot. I just let my actors cook. But I appreciate the photography in this to when they know when to pan out, when to do tight zoom in to Kathy and just let her face do all the work. And I think they I think they did a really excellent job all around with this. Oh no. The makeup on the feet is fucking crazy. Yeah. Alright. Those legs were so swollen. They looked like uncooked Italian sausages. <laughs> It, hey man, it does look like that sometimes. Hey. <laughs> it, it's not great, but you know. What up, though, loved ones? It is I, Brett the Hitman Hart. Welcome to the Rasslecast Power Hour. I am one third of your world podcast tag team champions, B hyphen. I am your point guard. I am the one who passes the rock. The Handsome Bane. And then Handsome Bane passes the rock over to the Mark Rob, showing mad love. Now let me explain to you why the Rasslecast is the best. We're not your run-of-the-mill wrestling show. We don't talk about news. Okay, sometimes we talk about news. We don't break down what happens on every segment every single week. We're here for the love of professional wrestling. So So when we have a new guest, we find out how they fell in love with professional wrestling. And then also, we have two other members. We have Ace Reporter, Kit Kat Kitteridge herself, Kat Chinetti, and then we have Microphone Fiend, novelist of the Swordcast. He comes and joins, she comes and joins. It's a great big party when all five of us are together. We call ourselves the Rasslecast Power Rangers. It's kind of a big deal. But seriously, enough of me talking. Go to your podcast listening device, Rasslecast Power Hour, five stars, follow, Make sure you don't miss any more episodes. And really, if you do, then I'll just send our secretaries after you. Sayonara, smelly nerds. First power with Lou Diamond Phillips? Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. What are the discussions that you want folks to be having in Hollywood right now? when it comes to diversity. I think the, the diversity issue has been stunted by a couple of m- mythologies. Like, you know, there, for a while, the whole thing was like, oh yeah, you know, you can't, you know, black, black starring films don't work overseas. You don't, make your, you don't make your money back overseas. You know, that was the, the thing. And then, you know, with Straight Outta Compton, with F. Gary Gray's uh, Straight Outta Compton, we, you know, saw this, that that's in fact not true. That if you give people a chance to make um, elevated stories get you know put put make really you know great movies people will see it I think that this film really is a conversation starter what are the kind of discussions that you want folks to have after they see this film that's the point is to um, you know give you know audiences something to feel as a collective experience and, and give them a visceral reaction that they can have and then um, you know hopefully it just becomes pe- part of the conversation um, I, 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 I just think it, r- racism is something that we can't not talk about. Let's do the pivot to 2017's Get Out. In my estimation, and I really hope that I'm wrong, I think Get Out is probably going to be one of the last Black pop culture movies that we get. I think our attention span is just way too all over the place. 
But I think that Jordan Peele truly tapped into something prescient, something that was far-reaching, probably even more beyond than what he even estimated. I thought in the moment, and rewatching it, this is a movie that is going to last and is really special. But, Kit, what were your initial thoughts on Get Out, and what do you think about Get Out now? I think that, let me preface by saying, in the words of the intelligent Amanda Seals, that there are white people, and then there are people who happen to be white. And I'm going to say that because okay. I'm talk about white people. And I say that because there are white people who operate in their privilege. And then there are people who happen to be white who use their privilege to kind of course correct and advocate for other people. So there is a distinction. And I'm saying that because, you know, I'm going to talk about white people. It's different for a Black woman to watch the film than it is for a Black man to watch the film, right? Like for me, when I first watched it, it's so funny because me and my friends, or even a lot of Black people, the first thing they would say is, see, and that's why you don't bring home no white, that's why you don't go to no white girl's house, you know, or whatever. That's why you don't go do those white people things, you know, like you're going, like when he was on the phone with his friend and, you know, going to, you know, this house in the woods, you know, it's like, you don't do that, right? But It's also interesting because Jordan Peele's wife is white, right? Mm. So you kind of have to look beyond like those stereotypical, you know, sayings and go a little deeper. And there's a lot to be taken out of this film. Obviously, I think it was perfectly written. And I think that there are people who are still kind of pulling out some of the symbolism. And I think that one of the things that I saw in the film was white people's complacency with Black pain and trauma. Mm -hmm. And uh, you kind of see that when the maid is obviously, you know, kind of buffering, breaking out of this spell. And they're like, she's fine. She can go sit down or whatever. Or the fact that Lakeith's character, whose name I forget, you know, had his meltdown And they just, you know, fix him, send him off. And they don't have a problem doing this kind of procedure over and over and over and over again. So that's just one aspect that I saw in the movie. I'm still trying to figure out what this sunken place is, you know? (laughs) And, you know, and like what what that means. Because I do think that Get Out had a even though it can be seen very black and white, I do think that it had more of a universal message in total. And, you know, I'm still thinking about that. If you'd like to jump in. (laughs) I can definitely agree that the perspective of watching this as, as a black man (laughs) in 2017, living in West Virginia, I think it was a very interesting experience watching this. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, I think Jordan really touched on a lot of the kind of microaggressions that Black folks are just kind of subjected to. I think the one that stood out to me was when he's talking to to the white couples and the other white woman, like, runs up on him and, and like just touches his shoulder in his pecs and just starts filling him up just out of just out of nowhere without his permission or anything 
And that has happened. And I've seen that happen numerous times where white people would just touch you without your permission for no reason. Well, for their reason, but it's no reason to us. Uh, so I think that a lot of the subtlety of the movie, I think that that really captured a lot of black folks. I think the the sunken place, I think even in the moment, I feel like for <laughs> even like Twitter, the kind of the conversation of the sunken place was someone basically kind of losing their blackness. And when Andre, he is, you know, taken under, he's this kind of caricature of he's a he's like a and his body, he's black, but he's uh shaking your hand when you go to do the dap. And so so like, you know, his mannerisms and his attitude, they all change once he's in the sunken place. But I do wonder what Jordan specifically would have to say about that then and and now. So let's go to the sunken place. Mm-hmm. Uh, how no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, how difficult was writing that scene? Writing that scene was a little of everything. It was it was imagine getting to this point in the scene not knowing what needed. All I knew, just like that that other scene, all I knew was that I had have I've had the audience waiting for 35 minutes to, for me to tell them what going on <laughs> and um, this was a, an oper- this scene needed to be scary it needed to tell, tell them look you've you've been waiting for a reason this is scary so I went to this this idea of like you know what's worse what's what's worse than death and of course this this feeling of being trapped in your own body for you know eternity or or Having having no agency, having no voice, not mm-hmm. being able to, um, and I had always felt like you know when you when you're about to fall fall asleep and you feel like you're falling, but you, you so you wake up and you catch yourself. I always thought to myself, what if you didn't catch yourself? What if you didn't wake up? Where would you fall to? And that was sort of bubbling under as 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 kind of the scariest idea. So when I got to writing this scene, you know, it came out very instinctively um, in terms of my my worst fears and, and, and sort of imagery I felt like was beautiful and cinematic. And it wasn't until I sort of completed that scene that I really started noticing the parallels to the prison industrial uh, complex mm-hmm. and, and the fact that, you know, black men are essentially abducted at a com- completely disproportional rate and, and sort of tossed away, and not just tossed away, but neglected, forgotten about by society, by myself. You know, I got to this point in the script without, you know, really thinking about that. And I started thinking about the experience of being black in a movie theater and not having our not 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 having our voice represented, not having our skin, our sort of idea. And you yell at the screen, you know, don't walk backwards, mother. And they, you know, mm. they still do. And so the connection of this lack of agency, this this connection between the lack of voices, and so I re- that at that point I realized the sunken place was this symbol for the system that keeps us down. You know, I originally felt like it was black people, but I feel I've I've had many people, women, many people of different all different races tell me they've felt that. So I 
you know, I want to, I, I honor that now, that this is a, a feeling of the voiceless, a feeling of having your, your power taken away. And so I wrote this scene and I, um, I just started crying at the end of the scene. What the, up until this point had been a, such a fun process and it was still fun, but this emotion poured out. But, Did you say that they were losing their blackness? Is that what you said? Yeah, I think so. But uh, are they losing it or are they trading it? Who? Mm, I don't know. I mean, in a movie, it's it's an idea that it's kind of taken away from them. But at the same time, there's still plenty of black folks who hate their blackness and who will want to give it away themselves. And there are times where, for example, you know, when we joke about not everybody's invited to the cookout, the reason why, you know, is because it's very easy to, like, the reason I said, did he lose it or did he give it away is because all of those Black people that dated Rose, I want to call her Allison, but that's you know, I feel you that's know, not right. Rose. I that's need that's her Rose. real name. Yeah, it, it, I, thought, I thought that was her real name. That's funny. But I think that for her to be able to do this, a roast, for her to be able to do this so many times, she was invited into the space. She was given access to infiltrate. And so at, I guess that's another conversation. You know, did they lose it or did they give it away willingly to, you know, kind of exist in this duality of community? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I get you. You know, because I, another villain, I guess you could say, if there's a villain, you know, is, is is the power that white womanhood has or can have in Black spaces. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I think the question of, because they chose to date Rose, were they sort of, I mean, obviously they, they don't want to be in this kind of sunken place, but at the same time, are they dating real specifically to approximate themselves toward whiteness? And that's a more than fair question to ask. I know for some folks, it's not that at all, but there are definitely folks who, there are definitely black folks who want to get too close, who want to get close to whiteness as they possibly can. And a part of that is ingraining themselves with a white spouse. So it does happen. And not just black people. Like I know, I have like Indian friends, I have other Asian friends, and in certain cultures, white is right, white is the prize, you know, you know, and I, you know, and it's like, if you don't come home with someone of your culture, then they need to be white. So that's definitely a real conversation. I always feel weird, not completely, but like after seeing a film like this, where it's obviously very community coded and definitely has social commentary what the others what like other how other people feel while watching it you know you know it's by Jordan Peele you know we're sitting up there you know we see our actors on there and we're just you know kind of in the midst of it but I would love you know Kat how did you feel while watching Get Out? I have two two like things that I felt one of which is all I could think of was the white women on Twitter who like to speak for minority groups about like what is or isn't insensitive. I saw this movie for the first time when it was in theaters, by the way, I went on a date. Uh, that person is still my friend, but we did not wind up dating. <laughs> okay. It's going to be a no. Yeah, a he, no. He, 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 <laughs> did pass, he did pass the vibe check of like, wow, this gives me a lot to think about, which like, yes, good. 
But okay. like the this we just yeah no, I, I I, dude I don't know because I every time I just look at it I'm like oh god I feel like I need to apologize to everyone, which is like nice. also that overly helpful white woman gene that isn't actually helpful. <laughs> I I know that's you know yeah. But the the Just other walking out of the theater shaking hands. I'm sorry. Hi, Kat. Nice Kat. to meet you. Hi. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I I did go to school in New London, Connecticut, which is not particularly safe place to walk around at night at all ever. So I would not have done that. But I also felt like I should have had like a little like, I promise I'm not that white person button, <laughs> which would have made me look more like that white person. Um, you just happen to be white. That's just you know. But I also just when watching this. This is going to sound insane, I I know, but, like, this is so much better than what Candyman did with the same bits. I mean, I mean it's bad. It's very, very bad. It, it had potential to be something, but it wasn't something. And it I, did. It did. I like that this one doesn't seem, like, this movie doesn't seem to be afraid of what it's trying to say. But I also like that it isn't force-feeding you what it's trying to say. And... I like that my reaction to this movie is largely discomfort because I think that is apt and important to consider because this is a movie where pretty much everybody that looks like me is is the perpetrator and the one that looks the most like me is like literally like the angel of death metaphor. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. <laughs> I think that's good. It is a movie that I struggle to look away from. If you see me doing this, the whole podcast, like looking to one side, it's because my TV is over there. Even watching it with the sound off right now, the changes in lighting, the changes in the eyebrow, like Kaluuya's eyebrow placement should have gotten an Oscar. Just the eyebrows. (laughs) Like they're so thought out, like everything about it is so tight. And this is this is a rarity for this podcast. I wish it was 10 minutes longer. Whoa, okay. Yeah, I know, I know. Crazy. I just feel that the final action is so fast. Mm-hmm. I just, I wish I had a few more minutes to absorb the impact of what's happening. Because it just kind of stops. Which is fine, but I would have been okay with 10 more minutes, which is rare for me. I just like that everyone in this movie even the characters that only have one line that is something like horrible and insensitive feel like fully baked characters like i see that woman in the all black with the big statement necklace and the martini glass saunter up to them and i'm like i know exactly who you are (laughs) you know you you have the the black lives matter yard sign but you won't go to a (laughs) protest you know, you you will vote Democrat, but you won't write your government and ask for help. You won't support mutual aid funds because you just don't know where that money's going. If there was something official, then maybe I'd consider it. <laughs> you can just see every that so clearly just watching it on silent. Yeah. Do you remember the first time when you watched this and Cab wrote at the end and whenever the police car comes up when you watch this in the movie theater did your audience have a like visceral reaction to yeah because i thought he was gonna die yes <laughs> i but, thought it was gonna yes. be like a white cop and it's gonna be like oh my gosh now he's it's, it's over it's it's the end yeah, yeah. 
Now, I'm glad Jordan Peele did not do that to us. They recorded that ending too. They recorded. Well, and, they, and they I'm also they did do it in. Do they did do it in Candyman. Oh. Like they they did really. I don't know. The the more I'm thinking about it, having now revisited this for the first time since I watched Candyman, the angrier I am at Candyman. Yeah. And I don't know if you listened to that episode, but I was mad as hell. So it had all the right ingredients. And then that's what came out of the oven and it just wasn't tasty. I think it was a too many cooks situation Mm. because as soon as I see nine people on a story by credit. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, too, that Jordan Peele, with this film, he started this sort of chain reaction of, because it's not it's not the story he told, but how he told it. And that's part of why it feels like we won't get another one quite like this again, because it also started this chain reaction where not everyone's trying to be or have the next Jordan Peele. And I think the Jordan Peele film, and I think that that's, part of what happened with Candyman that, it, you know, because he impeded, I believe, and I, I like Mia DaCosta, but I, I think that there's, I don't know, like a something in the air where people want to kind of follow in his footsteps, but outside of Get Out, well, let me not say that, but I mean, nah, I think that, you gotta say it, you gotta say it now. <laughs> I'm saying like outside of Get Out, like, his footsteps, they go in a lot of different directions. Like, I, I think Us was different. It wasn't as tight as Get Out. And then Nope, while beautifully shot, I feel a little confusing. People were all over the place in in regards to what it means. And I'm saying all that to say, I think that that's where Candyman went wrong. <laughs> I appreciate that Jordan's films they are getting way more subversive. Even though I think Us is, it's solid, I really appreciate it, Nope. But to Kit's point that the first time I watched it, I liked it, but it wasn't until the second viewing where the pieces started to make more sense together. And and I think that's partially why I don't think we're really going to get maybe anytime soon, like another black film that is going to be this of the culture. Like, cause I think the, the filmmakers, like you kind of said, like they're trying to do the 2k four version of Jordan Peele when we don't really need that. We need people to be original. We need what their voice is. Obviously everyone's derivative of everybody. Like that's, you can't avoid that. But I think it would be really difficult to resonate with a mass group of audiences, it's not just black folks. Like this is a movie like of pop culture beyond just us. Yeah. I just don't think that an average audience member should have to Google what a film's about after seeing it. I just think that <laughs> I, on some basic level, I should be like, okay, at least I know it's about this. And then you kind of discover, uncover like the deeper layers and the nuance and all that and all those big fancy words. But I mean, I should be able to walk out being like, and that's what it's about, and then go deeper, not like Google, you know, analysis of note, you know, to try to understand <laughs> what you just saw or analysis of inception. But that's another conversation. Hilarious. <laughs> I do also wonder how much of this has to do with just the amount of projects that he took on after this, because he has 
a huge production company. He was running the Twilight Zone reboot at the same time. He was, it seems like a lot of the tightness of this film gets left behind as he has more and more balls in the air at the same time. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that their quality is less good, but like, Honestly, I had to I had to tap out of Nope because I have a weird niche fear of being mauled by apes, and this one did not help me with that. Oh, you try watching it? Yeah, I sure did. Oh shit! Didn't go uh, great. Yeah. Um, I think I think too there's something to be said about people's directorial debuts because I think because it was his directorial debut, I don't want to say you take more care of and you. But it's like your first thing, like this is the one I'm going to put out into the world to kind of introduce myself. And it's something I've been saying all year. A lot of people's directorial debuts this year have been really fantastic. But then their follow-up film comes, and it's not to say that it's bad, but it's just not like, you know, ain't nothing like your first half. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. Hey, yo, all right, all right. I mean... Please don't hate me. Please don't hate me. <laughs> One of the scenes I really liked in Get Out, though, is when he came in from the picnic and he went upstairs and everybody's just talking. And the second he goes upstairs, it gets dead silent. Yeah. I really like that part. I've gone through the reverse of that. There have been spaces where everyone's lively, everyone's talking. And as soon as I walk in, you can hear a pin drop. So I thought it was an interesting scene. One thing that I'm just noticing watching it now is how Allison Williams' character, Rose, keeps wearing these clothes that make her look more and more frail. She's wearing stuff that fits her less well. She's, like, not doing her makeup quite as well while still acting like, I don't know what's going on and I'm really, like, scared for you. We'll figure it out together. And, like, that's such a subtle way to get him to lean into her more and believe that he's she's still on his side. Like, yeah. when she's wearing that red and white sweater that looks like it's just way too big for her, the idea is really to make it look like she's, like, wasting away with worry about this. But, like, I bet she has those outfits laid out in sequential order in her closet at her <laughs> parents' house. I really appreciate, like, that that level of attention to detail, I think, is so smart rose his dog got really sick so he has to be at the vet first thing in the morning oh yeah oh how terrible rose keys looking rose what is your purpose chris What is your purpose? Right now, he's finding those keys. Fire. It's a reflection of our own mortality. We're born, we breathe, and we die. Rose? I'm lucky. Even the sun will die someday. But we are divine. We are the gods trapped in cocoons. Rose. I don't know where they are. Rose! Rose! Rose, you don't Rose, give me, 
Give me those keys. Rose, no! No, the keys! Oh, 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 be careful, bro. What the fuck? I didn't do anything. What the fuck is going on? Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Kit, you brought up people's, I guess, willingness to be, like, to kind of trade in. Where I guess we kind of talked about people's willingness to, like, trade in their blackness to be approximate to whiteness. I think a good barometer test for black men in particular is the I'm going to need those keys scene from Rose. Because once you see the pictures, you should know that Rose is in on it. But, like, if you're, like, still defending Rose up until you know, the actual turn, then something's got to be wrong with you. Like, something a little bit's got to be off. Yeah, and it's like he abandoned all of his, I don't, I don't know why I'm thinking spidey senses, but you know what I'm saying? You you abandoned <laughs> yeah. all reason. Like, if it were me, and I've, I've gone to, obviously, a space that's predominantly white. I've been camping before. I've been to my <laughs> friend's ranch in the middle of nowhere where, like, the next house is like miles away, but you know, I got the keys, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have the keys. If I feel uncomfortable, like your phone's been unplugged so many times and you're just so blinded and you can't say he's blinded by love because that kind of vibe is never given in the film. You know what I mean? It's just, he, I don't know what he's blinded by. I, I, I honestly don't. Have you ever seen the the Twitter thread about uh, the guy who's who's married to the nice white lady and they go house shopping and he like realizes that the house is super fucking spooky and does not want to stay there anymore. And she's just like charmed by the crown molding. And he's like, why are there like scratches all over the basement steps? Oh, wow. (laughs) I'll, I'll have to see if I can find it. But like he he was like, I don't know what happened, but like. I just got it. I was like, wow, there are original hardwood floors and nice crown molding. And then he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like he kind of had to recenter on like the weird, like, why is there a tiny door to nowhere? Why it like, you know, all this other stuff that was like happening. That was like obvious kind of saw movie shit. And I do just wonder, like it, depending on how you're socialized, how much your desire to like, if I just get through this, then I can finally impress my girlfriend's parents. And then I don't ever have to worry about this ever again. Like how much of that can be socially engineered to take over in situations like that. And I do wonder, given that it's kind of established that they'd been dating for a while before this, if some of that groundwork had been set before the movie even starts. Yeah. And like, how can I, you know, if I can pass this test, then if I can get through this weekend, then I'm in. I've got it, you know? Almost like a challenge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, too, even with just, like, hitting the deer in the beginning. Because it's like hitting, you know, like a you know a deer, a buck. And, you know, they refer to Black men as bucks. And, you know, they're big and they're strong and they're fast. And then you had that one man in the house who was just running. You know, yeah. just all the little ways that Jordan Peele weaved in all of these little things that have to deal with Black people, specifically African-Americans, 
you know, Blacks in America. And I, I still think it's just very interesting that he did it because he's married to, you know, a white woman. And obviously he's not in the sunken place, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I would hope not. I mean, he's not. If he, if he is, then it's doing wonders for his creativity, for sure. But there it is. <laughs> so it's very interesting because it's because he did it and he's married to a white woman. It's not like he's saying necessarily not to or to get out before you get in. You know what I mean? Because he's in it. He's in it deep. You know what I mean? So it's like, what else is he saying outside of that? Because the solution is not don't date white people, obviously. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. I mean, like that's too to, simplistic for, you know, what he's doing. Um, you got to go for people who happen to be white. There you go. <laughs> there you go, cat. <laughs> to use the parlance of our times. Uh-oh. Yeah, true story. A part of me was scared, similar to Moonlight. A part of me was a little bit hesitant to revisit this because... I really did hold it in such high esteem that I didn't want that to kind of fade away. But it's just like Moonlight, this this is held up immensely. And for the awards, particularly for the Academy, got nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Dan Kaluuya got Best Actor, Nom, and Jordan Peele won for Best Original Screenplay. So. I think the nominations and accolades were definitely well-deserved. And I believe the published screenplay also became a New York Times bestseller list book as well, which was one of the first screenplays to do that in the 21st century. I remember you could buy the screenplay as like a book. I never read it, but I remember it kind of being passed around uh, on the interwebs. (laughs) So that would not surprise me at all. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Kat at Ketchinetti on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Love S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V, on X and Letterboxd. Follow the show at Kat and Mark on X. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?